on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Good God, the Knicks right now are beating the hell out of the Blazers. I'm sorry, Trista. 97-61, Knicks up on Portland after three. Uh, Minnesota beats the Magic 113-92. Sacramento up on the Pistons 129-110 now. And Memphis, look at Memphis. They're rallying behind the injured John Morant. 42-31 over Dallas. Seven and a half minutes to go in the second quarter there. Woo, I tell you what. And maybe it's they're going to be a good against the spread team. Dallas was a nine-point favorite, Ashu. But again, remember Detroit was up like twenty-five points, and now they're down eighteen. Paolo Bencaro let us down too. Only eighteen points, two rebounds, three assists. Horrible. Not good. Yeah, Horrible not stuff. Uh, not. This is a you know how this is. This always is what happens, right? You see a guy with like five or six straight games just tearing it up, and you just you jump in. You know, eventually that do factor comes in, and that was tonight for him. So. Just yeah, a lot a lot of blowouts again tonight. the The uh, National Blowout League is it's showing its ugly face again tonight in the NBA. It's like double dutch. You never really know when you're supposed to get in or get out. I know, not great. No, it's yeah, it's it, that's the one thing about the NBA, right? I mean, that's what we loved about the in season tournament is you got some players and some teams where you felt like these games were more predictable. It felt like everybody was engaged, and now we're back to like bunch of guys going when when when's the all-star break again i need a break i need some sleep for a little bit of while so yeah, all right no we've doubt. had a little bit of line movement so far as we head into super wild card weekend in the nfl let's take a look at where some of those spreads have gone since where it opened is he gone for how long how does this affect sides totals props it's time for another installment of market movers <laughs> I'm glad they put the camera over to you because you're just like mouthing along with it. I mean, this is clearly there is nothing, Trista, that brings you joy more than the open to this segment without question. I love it so much. Is it gone? That's what it's I'm saying time about the for market movers, Trista. We we could do it ourselves, really. Honestly, I, we could, we could. But you know what? I don't want to take away from the great work that was clearly already Can't. done, and it looks like a soap opera. Just, just great, great work. Of we were talking about Bucks Eagles with Jordan Dejani earlier. We have moved it past a key number here. We do have you can get Bucks minus three or the Bucks plus three now. Uh, the only reason I, I'm just I'm just concerned about what Baker Mayfield's injury status is going to be because I I know that is like if Baker Mayfield's not playing and it's Kyle Trask. No, thank you. I want nothing to do with that game whatsoever. So that's kind of like the weird spot we're in. Do you want to take the risk now and grab a Bucks at plus three just to be safe in case you don't get a three again? Because, I mean, we, we talked to uh, Patrick Everson last night, right? And he said a lot of the people that he talked to early on thought this wouldn't go to three. So we do have some threes out there now, which is at least a better spot, right? You want to pray for the push, bare minimum here. But I just – I don't know what's going on with Baker Mayfield, so I feel like you just kind of have to wait, which is – it's risky. I'm weighing the odds here, but I'd probably rather wait just in case because Kyle Trask, gross. Well, I guess worst case, I don't think the number gets any higher than three and a half. So if Baker is mm -hmm. really banged up – you could probably hedge off and take the other side and just play pay the little bit of the juice yeah. from you know like yeah. the minus one ten the ten part you know, so I would probably do that if I like the Bucks. This game is stinky. It's Bucks or nothing mm -hmm. for me. Feels like the Bucks are actually ripe for an upset, but boy oh boy, backing Baker Mayfield in the playoffs is something that I'm not particularly comfortable doing. 
these these situations are always so weird too, right? The team that wins the division that really shouldn't be in the playoffs, but you got to let somebody in because they won the division, right? We saw it years ago with Seattle, and they end up winning a playoff game at home against New Orleans. We saw Washington at least compete against Tom Brady and the Bucks, who ended up going on to win the Super Bowl that year. And then I can't remember what happened with Carolina the year that they did something like that. I think they were seven and nine that year too. But like these teams are usually competitive because they are kind of in that playing with house money mode. You got a home playoff game. The fans are kind of juiced up, but it's the Eagles are just, I mean, what, what has happened to this? It's one of the greatest fall-offs that we've ever seen. Like, I know that we watched the Eagles at the beginning of the year, right, and said, okay, they're flawed. Jalen Hurts doesn't look the same. You lost both your coordinators from last year who really had good first seasons as head coaches given the circumstances that they were given. But we're watching an Eagles team that went to the Super Bowl last year and had a delayed hangover until, like, halfway through the season. Yeah, and – we talked about it pretty much all year long that the vibes just didn't look good. The thing that I find to be so funny and hilarious, and I'd love Scott to chime in, is like there were legit a lot of Eagles fans thinking that this team was set. They were smarter than everybody. They could get all these players on the defensive side in the draft and and just like, just evaluate talent, Jeffrey Lurie, better. We make better trades and everybody. We're just going to have a long championship window. Jalen Hurts, MVP. And now it's like, oh, no, baby. This whole thing has got the wheels falling off. Scott, you're an Eagles fan, but you're pretty realistic. You're level-headed, which, and I'm not even saying that sarcastically. You're one of the few that's that way. Uh, I feel like you were kind of a realist the entire year with this team. What the hell happened? The back seven from week one of the season. The back seven has always been messy. And T, you and I talked this off the air. Slay ain't slaying it anymore. Bradbury is not what he once was as well. And then, what, the, uh, the elective non-essential surgery to call it a day, a la... Remember when Shaq did that in the NBA season? He's like, they, they walked it up, and he's like, all right, it's time yeah. to bail. So we're bailing. I mean, yeah. the, 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 the safeties, the cornerbacks, linebackers can't cover me. That's just – it's it ain't pretty, and it never was pretty. Their front is awesome. Nobody's going to argue with that, but you can't rely on just the front. That's basically what happened. That's what she said. Well, listen, I'll give yourself some credit, Scott, because I've watched you uh, scurry very quickly when there's free food somewhere in the kitchen. So you could be pretty quick when you need to be. Fair. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, I, I don't look. I don't think Jalen Hurts is 100 percent healthy, but you know how it is, Trista. Like at this point in the season, nobody's 100 percent healthy. I'm looking at the Dolphins right now. We've got some of the early injury reports for the Saturday games that are, that we're going to have. Which, by the way, one of them is another Peacock exclusive. People are getting all butt hurt about that because it's just going to be on Peacock. I hate to tell you this, but this is going to continue in the NFL because all of these partners want to push their their uh, digital properties, if you will. And they're going to continue to do more and more of this. But right now for Miami, I mean, you've got like Teron Armstead obviously didn't practice again. Xavier Howard didn't practice. And then you go on the other side of things where limited is Devon Achan, Tyreek and Raheem Mostert and Jalen Waddle. Jalen, I mean, like a bu- some of these guys will play that are limited as the week gets closer. But like this is a situation where like teams are teams are banged up at the end of the season. So some of it is who's less banged up and less injured at key spots once you get to the playoffs and playing good football. You bring that perfect storm together, and those are the teams that end up in the Super Bowl. 
Yeah, you're right. You you look at Miami, and you said Van Ginkle is also on the IR. So looks yeah, like he's, out he's not going to be. He's out. That's a bad injury. Every guy that they've had come in and step up, that guy has gotten injured as well, right? Like you've got uh, Raheem Mostert and Achan. Achan emerges as this fast, speedy little rookie. He goes down. Mostert comes in, ends up setting a franchise record for touchdowns, and then he goes down. I mean, you've got Jalen Waddle. He's gone down. I think he's going to play, but how healthy is he? Tyreek Hill, he looked really banged up. That ankle did not look right last game against the Bills. He was limping all over the place. So this is just like the worst version of the Dolphins, and it's been the worst version of the Chiefs. So you look at this line, and it's three and a half, and I just don't know that I can back the Dolphins. Oh, four now. I don't know if I can back yeah, the Dolphins even at four. I know it, it's I, I just it's just so many injuries just defensively alone and then God if if Jalen Waddle doesn't play another game and Tyreek's out there and he's not a hundred percent I mean you're losing just about everything that you have right like at least at the beginning of the year we knew they had all those weapons on offense and they were healthy so they would just outrun teams but now if you don't even have that this game moved from three to four still even then I'm not that I just I really. Like, the Dolphins, it just kind of feels like it's all come crashing down right at the end of the season. I know they're in the playoffs. I know they still got two out there that's healthy, which is funny, too, right? Because there's certain quarterbacks as we got into this season, right? And it was, this team could be good if blank stays healthy. Well, Tua stayed healthy all season. Lamar Jackson stayed healthy all season. The difference is, is that the Ravens were able to overcome more of the injuries because they dealt with injuries again this year too but they're still the number one seed in the AFC they had the depth they overcame those injuries the Dolphins it just feels like it's just adding up to be way too much at this point in the season and I they're they're I'm with you they're not a team that I trust at this point it seems like nobody trusts them but playing the Chiefs you go sit there and you're just like that offense how like it's gonna have to be Rasheed Rice go give the ball to Rasheed Rice give the ball to Isaiah Pacheco that's how the Chiefs win this game I know Travis Kelsey is gonna be involved but like if we're being honest with ourselves we know Travis Kelsey is starting to arc the other way in his career forget all the Taylor Swift stuff he's just getting older that's how this works in the NFL yeah man I mean He's got to drop off at some point, just like Derrick Henry. He he looked good the first six weeks of the season, and then all of a sudden he's averaging like two and a half yards per carry and is the only thing that he's doing well is getting into the end zone. So, yeah, I mean, we knew it was happening at some point with Travis Kelsey. The question is, who steps up? Do they have enough pieces? I mean, I know that Justin Watson has been a guy that tra that Patrick Mahomes seems to like. You've got a couple of tight ends. You got Noah Gray there. That can't be what we're rocking with, though. That's not a. That's really not a championship level wide receiver room, tight end room. Just it's not. Pacheco's going to have to run for like 200 yards against the Dolphins. Doesn't it feel like we talked about? It kind of felt a little arrogant last night the way Michigan started calling plays as the game went on after they were up 14-3. Doesn't it almost feel a little arrogant with the way the Chiefs came into this season with no real weapons other than Travis Kelsey to get the ball to for Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, dude. Like I feel that this happened not just with Kansas City, but it happened in the prime years for Aaron Rodgers too. It's like you're so yeah. and to a degree Andrew Luck. You're so good. We don't really need to give you much. And Tom Brady obviously is like the archetype for we'll give you dog poop 
guys that catch the ball. We're just <laughs> You're so good that we're going to make you do the most with the least. And they figure it out because they're so good. But, like, really, in all reality, they should be giving those guys the best. Because can you imagine you had Randy Moss and Tom Brady. So what, what would that look like with Pat Mahomes and the best receiver in the league? Oh, yeah, we already saw it. His name was Tyree Kill. And uh, they were monsters. They let him go. So they have to make a move. They've got to figure out a way to get a veteran ASAP Rocky. I'm really surprised they didn't go out and try to get D-Hop. So I think they were talking to him. It just sounds to me like he just took the most money. And I don't know what all the other offers were for him, but it's clear the dude just wanted to get paid. And he missed the playoffs and had a, essentially, I mean, really, it was not like it was a great year for D-Hop in Nashville at all. So now you kind of look around and go, could they go after him again this offseason? Does he want to go to Kansas City? Does he want to actually go play for a winner? I think Kansas City is going to be one of the more aggressive teams this offseason when it comes to the wide receiver market. Drafting a couple of guys, probably going out and, and adding to that in free agency as well. Because you just got to have depth in the NFL, right? Like, sometimes you just yeah. get lucky. Like, the Browns story is awesome, right? The Browns bring Joe Flacco in, not off the street, but off of his front yard playing football with his kid. That game opened at Browns minus one and a half against the Texans. It's now moved to two and a half. You can get some threes somewhere there, too, if you want to take the Texans plus three. Uh, but, like, they've been able to also overcome, like, injuries, like Nick Chubb being out for the entire year. And I, I would say overcome Deshaun Watson being injured, but, like, Joe Flacco was an upgrade this year for the Browns. I love the Browns against the Texans. As much as you and I both love that story for Houston, I have to put the story aside here for this and just look at where the Browns are, the type of football they're playing right now, and they've, they have depth. Like, you've got to have depth in today's NFL for this point in the season. We got an extra week. We got an 18 game or 17 game schedule. It'll be 18 at some point soon. I think we all know that that's going to get to that point. But, like, this is why you have to go out there and be aggressive in the offseason and have as much depth as you possibly can at key positions. Because if you don't, you're going to be sitting here looking like the Dolphins going, yeah, we're in the playoffs, but who's actually going to play for us right now? Yeah, dude, that's kind of the big issue is like the teams that can go to their backups and their backup backups and teams that have to sign guys off of the couch and find ways to get those guys meaningful minutes. So I think for the, for Buffalo, they've done a good job of trying to play at the margins. They have some good backup guys. For Miami, absolutely yeah. not. It's just been, I mean, it's been absolutely brutal for them. I mean, look, and even Steelers' bills, right? That was, Steelers open uh, plus nine and a half. It's moved to 10 now in a lot of places. You can get a nine and a half some places too. But, I mean, it's Mason Rudolph, the quarterback. And I don't know what to make of that game. I mean, because the Bills are the better team. The Bills are a heavy favorite in this. But if Josh Allen turns the ball over three times, like Mason Rudolph and that Steelers offense, I mean, they're flowing. They look pretty good right now with him as a starting quarterback, which is going to be wild heading into the offseason. But if Mason Rudolph can kind of get to them to the point where he's getting George Pickens the football, which he did the last couple of weeks, obviously, in that disgusting game in Baltimore, it was totally different. But if you start getting the ball to him and that offense is humming, the Bills are going to be in for a world of hurt. Yeah, dude, especially how difficult it has been to shore up their run defense. We're going to have to see. It's going to be a fascinating matchup. I, I mean, all these games this weekend, I can't wait for it. But let's be honest, uh, Rams-Lions, I think everybody's got that one circled because that is like, that's just two teams, two offenses, the storylines. Oh, everything that's there. All right, we take a look at some of where the NBA is right now and what the future is for John Morant, the Grizzlies, this season and moving forward. It's Bet MGM Tonight. 
few regrettable decisions. Oh, he's got bust written all over him. Goody Ken sucks. Jordan Edison ran a 5-3-40 and he's Tristis height. I'd take him. You know what you shouldn't have done? Bet on the Wizards. Yep. Now, live from Washington, D.C., it's Ryan Horvat, Trista Crick, and Nick Ashew. Trista and Nick tonight hunkered down. I can hear more of the pounding storm outside of us. Trees down. The Northeast just getting getting destroyed right now. Is it just as bad over your area, Trista? It will not stop. It will not stop. I, I am so glad this isn't snow. Did I see somebody earlier put in the chat that like one inch of rain equals 10 inches of snow? Is that true? Because if yeah. that's the case, this we would have had like two feet. Like, that's insane. At least. Maybe more. Oh, it's been like four okay. inches of rain, I think, because there's like oh, a yeah. pu- there's puddles outside of my place like that much. I don't oh, know what I, that. I is. believe it. Yes, I, that seems about right. Yeah, it's a good estimate. I mean, we got like a four foot swell for tides around here. I mean, it's just nuts. And I thought it was just going to be a normal rainy day. They're like, nope, under a state of emergency. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, here we go. Guess it is what it is. So, uh, yeah. Hopefully we won't have a lot of games that are. It really is. It was like it's. It it looks like actually maybe worse what the Ravens and Steelers looked like over the weekend, which was just a sloppy, ugly, gross game. And that's the one. I'll take snow games in the playoffs, but the last thing I want to see is just like a nasty, sloppy, rainy game because there's just they're just no fun to watch at all. So uh, one team that's not going to be in the playoffs is the Tennessee Titans, and one of the shocking biggest. Uh, I I really like jaw-dropping, I-can't-believe-this-just-happened stories since the season wrapped up, the regular season at least, was Mike Vrabel getting fired by the Tennessee Titans today, who will now be one of the hot coaching candidates on the market and probably have multiple choices of where he wants to go. Jordan Dejani jumps on with us, covers the NFL for CBS Sports. Of course, you are in Nashville right now, so I can assume... Uh, there's a lot of people with a lot of things to maybe say about this decision by the Titans today, Jordan. What's going on, my friends? Appreciate you guys having me on the show. Joining you for the Weather Channel segment. Here in Nashville, we're getting a light <laughs> dusting of snow. The first snow of the year, but the ground temperature is too warm for it to stick. Now, last night, we did get that huge weather system come through that I'm sure you guys are dealing with right now. No, but in terms of Nashville, with Mike Rabel, man, talk about a shocking development. This is not something that I saw coming, and I'm left with a lot more questions than answers. And we did have a small interview that was released on YouTube with the team owner, Amy Adams-Strunk, and she said that she didn't want to wait a couple weeks to find a trade partner for Mike Rabel and that Mike Rabel's vision for the future did not exactly align with the Titans' uh, vision for the future. But shocking nonetheless, I don't think anybody is taking her uh, explanation at face value that this was a football decision. Um, the Titans, of course, have had a couple of rough seasons, but overall Mike Rabel had a winning record in Tennessee. He won the division two straight years, was the NFL coach of the year a couple of years ago. I think he's already the third most or the third winningest head coach in Oilers Titans franchise history. Something weird seems to be going on behind the scenes, but uh, here comes the season of change here in Nashville. As you mentioned, I think Mike Vrabel is going to have plenty of interest on the open market if he's interested in coaching in 2024 and not taking some time off. So here we are. The Titans have entered the chat as a team looking for a brand-new head coach. Yeah, it seemed like once they traded A.J. Brown that there was going to be a chasm between Mike Vrabel and what he wanted to do and the way that the Titans front office wanted to roll. To me, it feels... 
and I don't know about you, Jordan, it feels like this firing means a rebuild is imminent, and that was what the the differences of opinion and the different vision that Mike Vrabel had, which was winning, uh, where that kind of is in the central core. What do you think? Do you think that this firing means that it's rebuild coming? You're spot on, Tristan. There's no doubt about it. I mean, the past couple of seasons with Tennessee has been, the big question has been, are we rebuilding or are we retooling? And it seems like we've been trying to retool over the past couple of years, going out in free agency and signing guys like Julio Jones. This offseason was DeAndre Hopkins, and hopefully the defense can stay healthy, and we'll see what Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry can do, running it back with them year after year. But no, this, this offseason is going to be completely different. Ryan Tannehill is not going to be part of the organization moving forward. It doesn't seem like Derrick Henry is going to be part of the organization moving forward either. And there's plenty of questions left on the offensive line, plenty of, or plenty of questions on the defensive side of the ball as well. So yes, um, I think today showed everybody, fans and journalists, reporters alike, that the Titans are embracing and entering what is going to be a rebuild. And it's not just a rebuild on the field. I'm very intrigued by the power structure that the Titans organization is working with as well. As probably everyone knows, Mike Grable was not your typical head coach. He had more power in the organization than your average NFL coach did as well. And he worked side-by-side with a first-year general manager at Rand Carthon coming over from the San Francisco 49ers. So it seems like there's plenty of holes to fill for the Tennessee Titans, whether that be on their 53-man roster or in the front office. So as of right now, Bill Belichick is still the head coach as far as we know for the Patriots. But naturally, Mike Vrabel has already been linked to the Patriots given his time playing there for that organization. Where do you think he does end up? Because we were talking about this earlier, Jordan. There's a lot of really potential, like, good head coaching candidates that are on the market right now, whether it's offensive coordinators, it's somebody like Vrabel, or a Jim Harbaugh, and maybe he comes back to the NFL. Yeah, I got to tell you, this is one of the more intriguing, like, coaching carousels I think I've seen over the past few years because you have the Bill Belichick question, you have the Jim Harbaugh question. Now, all of a sudden, Mike Rabel enters the equation as well. I don't know why Tennessee just didn't hit up New England today and say, hey, how about we trade Bill Belichick for Mike Rabel one-on-one? Let's see what we got here. <laughs> bring, bring Bill Belichick back to the city where he was born. Uh, no, I don't know if I'm that high on Bill Belichick if I'm looking for a new head coach. I think that's an interesting question with itself. But, I mean, it seems like there's been some smoke uh, over the past week or so that Bill Belichick may not necessarily be done in New England. He's going to sit down with Robert Kraft, and they're going to figure some things out. Um, I think those meetings are going to consist of roles moving forward. Would Bill Belichick be open to uh, hiring a general manager to oversee more of the roster construction and Bill Belichick kind of step away and focus more on the coaching on the field that happens on Sundays? That's something I'm kind of intrigued by. But as it's been reported and mentioned over the past few months, it's very possible that Bill Belichick has trotted the sideline in New England one last time, and he's going to be coaching uh, somewhere else. So in my opinion, I feel like that's almost kind of the next domino to fall. That's the next headline we're going to see over the next week or so. What's going to happen with Bill Belichick? Are, they, are the Patriots going to announce that he's coming back, or, or is he going to be traded somewhere else, or is he going to be fired altogether? So that'll be the next uh, domino to fall, in my opinion. You mentioned Vrabel being a unique personality and a unique leader as a coach. It's kind of like a highway. My way is the highway thing for Vrabel. Like he's very strict. To me, there's a couple of coaching openings that don't make sense in that way in terms of like culturally how he wants to lead and what that team needs. 
in your opinion, what would be the, the worst fit in terms of openings? And what do you think would be the best fit? Yeah, good question. I feel like worst fit uh, right off the top of my head would be, I have two teams, maybe the Washington Commanders, because it seems like they're undergoing a change with their power structure, right? It seems like maybe Josh Harris is leaning towards maybe building a bit towards the NBA model where there's going to be a football operations guy ahead of the general manager. You know, that's a lot of voices in one room. It doesn't seem like Mike Vrabel would fit in there if I decide to hypothesize. Uh, another would probably be the Carolina Panthers uh, going under that owner there with David Tepper, who is trying his best to fill the seat that Dan Snyder left open as the most hated owner in the NFL. I, I couldn't see Brayville going to Charlotte. But in terms of uh, other organizations that he might fit well in, I, I wonder if the Las Vegas Raiders could be one. I feel like they might be a franchise that is looking for a head coach who um, is there for the long run and someone who they are comfortable giving power to within the organization that would resemble what a general manager does. Um, so off the top of my head, I think the Raiders would be kind of an interesting team. But again, the Mike Rabel storyline is so weird because we don't know what he wants, right? Did he want to remain in Tennessee, truthfully? Did he, did he want to uh, be cut loose? Uh, does he want to take a year off? Um, I'm kind of interested to hear what Mike Rabel wants the next time he speaks publicly. Talking to Jordan Dejani, BetMGM tonight. Uh, let's look at some of the games coming up this weekend in the wild card round, or I'm sorry, super wild card weekend. The Eagles are the most, I, I mean, it's just been one of the most bizarre arcs for a team in an entire season where they start off 10-1. and one. This team can't even win the division. They go in now to Tampa, who obviously wins their division, gets the home playoff game. Eagles are three-point favorites, but they're playing horrific football right now. I really lean Tampa in this game, but I just don't know what's going on with Baker Mayfield's injury, so I haven't bet anything there yet. I want to wait and see what comes out of that. But is this a game where the Eagles can go into Tampa and lose? Uh, I absolutely think so. The Eagles have been just gross to watch. And I think I, if, if I could boil it down to its simplest form, I feel like Philly is missing the impact that both of their coordinators had on the team last year with Jonathan Gannon and with Shane Steichen. I mean, they look disjointed on both sides of the ball, in my opinion. They're the sixth team all time to make the playoffs after going one in five or worse in the final six games. They have a point, they have a plus five point differential this season. That's the fifth worst all time by an 11 team uh, or 11 win team, excuse me. They finished 30th in scoring defense. I don't like the Eagles at all right now. They failed to cover the spread in six straight games. They have injuries to Devontae Smith, injuries to A.J. Brown. I would even guess that Jalen Hurts is dealing with a couple of uh, bumps and bruises, if you will. You bring up Baker Mayfield, watching him and the Bucs play the Carolina Panthers in the regular season finale was not a fun game to watch either. I'm not mm -hmm. saying that the Buccaneers are going to come out here and just dominate the Eagles' um, inconsistent secondary. But at home, yes, I'm going to take the Buccaneers with the points. I just do not trust the Philadelphia Eagles at this moment. Do you trust the Houston Texans? Because it feels like they came out out of nowhere. C.J. Stroud looks every bit like the best quarterback in that draft, uh, even though obviously the Carolina Panthers took Bryce Young before him. Like, what do you think is next for, for the Texans, not only in this playoffs and their upside, but just the future of them for seasons to come? Trista, I wish I could trust the Texans, but I, I think they're running into, in the first round, Super Wild Card Weekend, they're running into what may be the sleeper in the AFC with the Cleveland Browns. And these two teams faced off a couple weeks ago, right? And C.J. Stroud did not play in that first matchup due to his concussion. But 
I, I just can't get the images out of, out of my head where Amari Cooper and Joe Flacco were just abusing the Houston secondary. I mean, Amari Cooper went off for 265 yards. That's the most in a single game in Browns history. I mean, Joe Flacco and Amari Cooper truly did morph into Tom Brady and Randy Moss in that matchup. So I'm leaning towards Cleveland in that, in that game. But in terms of the second part of your question, you have to love the direction of this franchise if you're a fan of the Houston Texans. I mean, Bobby Slowick did a great job quickly developing C.J. Stroud, who got more comfortable at the quarterback position week after week. You could really see it. Um, but I, I'm also looking at the offense at large, right? C.J. Stroud's the headline, but let's talk about the emergence of Devin Singletary. Let's talk about how this offensive line did a great job despite numerous injuries at multiple positions. Let's talk about the career year Nico Collins had. Tate Dell was one of my favorite rookies to watch before he broke his leg uh, earlier this year. I really do like this Texans team. The defense statistically did have a turnaround, but, of course, there's some kind of blank spots there in the secondary. I feel like maybe another round in free agency could really help this team. I know that Derek Stingley's had a pretty decent year, but the Texans have been pretty inconsistent on the back end, in my opinion. But in terms of the future, man, you really have to be excited with what the Houston Texans could potentially be capable of moving forward. Jordan, got about two minutes left here. So the Rams are a team that's playing good football at the right time. A lot of young guys contributing when some people thought they might not even be a playoff team this year. Are they a sneaky team in the NFC? They absolutely are. And that's the game of the week in Super Wild Card Weekend, right? Matthew Stafford going back to Detroit. And if I had to pick a winner in that game, I think I'm going to lean towards the Rams or at least take the points in that matchup, depending on what the line is. I will tell you this, though. The, the Rams' offense looks awesome, but they've been pretty inconsistent on defense. I know they, they got a couple of young pieces on the defensive line, but this Rams' secondary has allowed seven passing touchdowns on throws 20-plus air yards down the field in the last five games. That's the most in the NFL. So the Rams' defense at times this year when I'm watching them, it feels like they've let down the offense. So that's going to be a sticking point. That's something that I'm taking note of as we enter um, this postseason where you have to play your most important football. With all that being said, I mean, they got studs all over the field on offense, and that's going to be capable of carrying them against a team that may be playing some inconsistent ball, such as the Detroit Lions, who are very prone to do so. Inconsistent ball as well, Jordan. We have about a minute uh, is Kansas City, and they're at home at Arrowhead. Tough place to play, going against the Dolphins team that's very banged up. Uh, what do you like in that matchup, which is like kind of sneaky, gross, and also intriguing? Yeah, I'm going to take the Chiefs in this one. I don't like the four points slash three and a half points, whatever you're getting it at. But, I mean, the bottom line is that Tua Tungabailoa has lost his five boldest starts in his career, five passing touchdowns, seven interceptions in those matchups. But the real headline with Miami has to do with their injuries on the defensive side of the ball. No Jerome Baker in this matchup. No Andrew Van Giegel. No Cam Good. It doesn't look like Xavier Howard will be out there. Jalen Phillips is done for the year. Bradley Chubb is done for the year. Um, they just signed Justin Houston to rush the passer. I think Bruce Irvin's in the mix as well. But Miami's defense and their injuries is certainly giving me some concern. I'm going to take the Chiefs at home in that matchup. Yeah, it's, it's just brutal what's happened to that Dolphins defense. Jordan Dejani, CBS Sports. Great to talk to you again, man. You guys are the best. Appreciate you. All right, it's BetMGM Tonight.